0: Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Welcome to Engage 360. We're glad to have you with us again. I'm Don Payne, your host. And we're, uh, we're really grateful that you do join us and want to encourage you, uh, if you like what you hear... I know everybody on every podcast says this, but it really is true. If you give us a good rating and, or a review, that really does help us extend the reach of the podcast, and we'll, we would really appreciate it if you do that. We also would love to keep in touch with you, and uh, if you have uh, comments or questions, uh, email us, please. Our email address is podcast at denverseminary.edu, and let me remind you as well to check our website uh, in general every now and then just for different resources and Um, things like that that we make available, whether you're a student or not. Um, And if you are thinking about being a student, you can get full information there on all of our programs and um, certificates and degrees and other things. Well, uh, when when you keep coming across the same person's name in different circles and from different people, you need to pay attention. And when, in every one of those cases, that person is mentioned with glowing praise for their incredible giftedness and impact, then your curiosity really gets piqued. And that's the case for me with this week's guest, and has been the case for probably about 15 years. I still come across people I respect who know her, and I didn't know it. Uh, Now, I've seen her mostly from a distance for all those years, and had a little bit of phone conversation with her years ago but now here I actually sit right across the table from Dr. Angie Ward. Angie, welcome to Engage 360.
1: Hi, Don. Thank you. It's great to be on this.
0: Uh, Now, I've pirated a little bit of information from uh, your website, AngieWard.net. Angie's a leadership author and teacher with nearly 30 years of experience in church, parachurch, Christian higher education, known for her Genuine love for those in ministry, her down-to-earth style, her unique ability to see and explain complex concepts and systems. Uh, Angie has uh, been an adjunct faculty member here at Denver Seminary. She is also an award-winning regular contributor to Christianity Today leadership publications, highly regarded teacher and collaborative leader, and, I discovered, in a previous life, a sports writer.
1: That's correct. And
0: and I'm going to ask you about that in a bit. Right. Uh, So Angie and her husband, Dave, live just outside Indianapolis. She has a BA from Trinity International University, MA from Denver Seminary, and a PhD in ministry leadership from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I'm proud and grateful to say she is a member of the Board of Trustees at Denver Seminary. And we want to thank you for your service on our board.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: So, um... Angie's got a couple of books we're going to talk about. One in particular that's coming out this March. But before we get to that, Angie, tell us um, a little bit of your story, your background, how you got to be the the famous person that you are. How did you get to be Angie Ward? <laughs>
1: I didn't realize I was the famous person I am, <laughs> well, so I learned you know, a lot about myself today you to from your intro. What is it
0: like to be Angie Ward? Right,
1: exactly. Yes, uh, very meta. Uh, so I'm actually an alum of Denver Seminary, and that's where my husband and I met. I'm from um, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, originally, and then um, went to school outside Chicago, worked in camp ministry, Denver Seminary, then um, ministry. um, uh, with my husband uh, in various churches in the Twin Cities and in North Carolina, and now we're just outside of Indianapolis. But um, started with youth ministry along the way, broadened out to more um, leadership, ministry leadership in general and leadership development, and which is really my calling and passion to develop and encourage ministry leaders.
0: Mm. Tell us about the sports writer thing.
1: Yeah, so um, I I was a jock. I am a jock, I guess. Um, played sports, love sports still, um, and got a job in high school as what they call a stringer, so kind of a freelance writer covering high school sports for my hometown newspaper, and um, got to do some cool stuff, covered some professional auto racing, interviewed some drivers, Mario Andretti, some others. Did you yeah, really? Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Yeah, wow. love it. So living in Indy near the Speedway is really fun for okay. me every year. Um, And so originally was going to be a journalism major, um, ended up switching to youth ministry, but kept that writing minor and have kind of tied those together now with some of my writing.
0: That is is really cool. So when did you first know that you were a leader?
1: That's a great question. And I think I didn't have words. I knew I was different. And the term that was used, which was probably true— which is used for a lot of women leaders is bossy. I was bossy when I was little and I <laughs> always liked being the one organizing things and okay. um uh
0: Are you a firstborn?
1: It's kind of complicated. I'm adopted, so oh, okay. yes and no. right. yeah. Yeah. Um but apparently, I I act like one apparently. Um but so yeah, I was um always kind of, you know, put in charge of things I, I rose to leadership things I you know nobody really called that that until I was in college and one of my uh, pastors said something about what way to lead Angie and I, that's the first time I kind of put that together with oh that's leadership that's a that's a thing you know and and um, bossy can be a helpful thing it, sometimes it can be yeah
0: especially if you can monetize it
1: yes that's right exactly right? <laughs> yeah yeah I, we had a shirt this uh, some call it um, bossy I call it leadership yeah
0: yeah so what were some of the obstacles or challenges you've had to overcome uh, in in learning to lead or in stepping into various leadership positions? Uh, go, go ahead.
1: Okay. Um, several. One, um, being in the ministry world, which is largely male-dominated, uh, especially in kind of the, the denominational and circles that I was in. And um, so in some ways, I didn't... Um, f- uh, for the most part, I had opportunities because of who I was, even in environments where they would talk about women not being allowed to lead. And so, so there's kind of that environment of, like I said, I didn't quite fit in. When I was a student at Denver Seminary, uh, I fit in more like the MDiv students who were p- preparing to be pastors than um, the pastor, you know, the MDiv wives or some of the other students. And I, and so I, so I've just. Never quite felt like I fit for much many years because I was a female in a male driven world. I was a leader, had leadership gifts and a strong, you know, leadership gifts and, um, you know, disposition that that sometimes were frowned on, you know. And, and so I had that. Um, I've had some obstacles have been actually um, being married to my husband. He's a great guy. But he, being a pastor, um, that because of his role who I'm married to, I sometimes have more limitations on what I can do in our church than I do just because I'm a woman or, or that type of thing. Okay. So, yeah.
0: Okay. All right. How do you define leadership?
1: I define, well, at its core, leadership is influence. But, you know, I define it in my classroom. I say leadership is influence on people to movement toward a vision. And so it's it involves, you know, influence on people people as opposed to administration, which may just be tasks for their own sake, and they're necessary. Um, There's some sort of movement. That movement could be positive or negative. You know, gang leaders exert influence, but not necessarily in a positive direction. Um, But so there's some sort of movement towards some sort of end vision, and that could be 20 years out, or it could just be in maybe a discipleship relationship where you say, um, you know, we're working together. I'm helping you get to this you know, but there's some sort of direction and spo- as opposed to just spinning in circles.
0: Okay, okay. Well, what have been some of your favorite leadership experiences?
1: My favorite are actually kind of combined with my uh, teaching, which is leading and teaching leaders and seeing those ahas and um um, enabling them to then uh, to, to, to build a team and then work together toward a goal and then have them learn and grow and then go out and take on their own leadership responsibility.
0: Okay. Okay. So tell us about your book then. You've got a um, new book coming out. The title is God. I'm sorry. I'm reading from your promo <laughs> card here. <laughs> I'm reading the wrong thing from the card. The title is I am a leader uh, subtitled When Women Discover the Joy of Their Calling. Yes. Okay, so what prompted you to write this book?
1: Well, I didn't set out to write a uh, book about calling or a book for women in particular, um, but I was part of a Facebook group several years ago through um, some some uh, women that got connected through um, Christianity Today Women Leaders um, writing, and there just seemed to be this need for, women were just hungry for like, what does this look like as a woman leader? And, and it turned out there's unique challenges um, as women leaders and, and just with, you know, cultural expectations, their own expectations and, and tensions they feel. Um, and so started reflecting on my own journey of calling and as a leader, person of influence, and talked to the editor and said, did you ever think about a full-length book? And she said, "We've talked about it, but what do you have in mind?" I "I don't, but I'd love to be a part of it." And she said, "Well, I'd love to see an outline." And one thing kind of led to the next. And so for the book, it kind of—I just talk about my journey, kind of interwoven. But then I also interviewed fifty other women, more than fifty other women um, around the country, uh, various ethnicities, you know, uh, just um, different types of ministry. Whether it's full time, you know what we would consider vocational, occupational ministry, or um, parents fostering, different things like that, and um, kind of wove that into this book. Which is um, the title is "I Am a Leader" because in in describing the book to publisher and to and talking with these women, we realize like like I didn't feel like I quite belong. There's a part of um, women leaders; it's a part of their identity and. So it's like I am a leader, but and what is the joy of that calling and living that out? And so the book looks at what is calling, how do you discern it, uh, and then what does it look like lived out as a specifically as a woman, you know, in ministry? And I define ministry broadly too as kind of um, doing really anything with kingdom intent and purpose. Okay, okay,
0: Okay. I like that kingdom intent and purpose. Yeah, whatever. Wherever the paycheck comes from, well,
1: right? Yeah, and it may not even be a paycheck. It okay. could be, you know. Uh, there's, I think we see um, in scripture and and it's kind of theologically, there's there's a primary calling that God, Jesus says, follow me, and and um, but then. Many times after that, there's a secondary or more specific call that is unique to a person based on their gifts or their experiences or a need that they might be in or passion kind of thing. And so I unpack a little bit more of that as as well in the book. But the specific calling could be. Um, you know, a volunteer kind of thing. It could be part-time. It could be in, quote-unquote, Christian ministry. It could be a Christian in more of the marketplace. Again, if it's like God is calling us to join his work in the world. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so on your promo card, I noticed that that heading, God is inviting you to join him. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's your line or a Nav NavPress's line. It's mine. It's yours. Good. Yeah. Well, it's a good line. Yeah. Um, what's the, there's got to be a theology behind that. God is inviting you to join him. How how does that yeah. kind of reflect something about your theology of leadership or your theology of calling?
1: Yeah, so like I said, there's this you know there's an idea of primary and secondary calling, and so first of all, God invites you know says follow me, and Jesus says who do you say that I am? And we you know we need to answer that question about who Jesus Christ is, and and to follow him. But then um, you know God has entrusted us with. Um, gifts, with passions, with um, experiences, our stories, our journeys, and he wants to use those to, again, for, kind of be part of his kingdom work in the world, and I, you know, some of the key themes, uh, you know, theologically, I think one is stewardship, okay. um, and so it's stewardship of our gifts and, and our calling, and sometimes it's a, you know, we see in Scripture and, and the women I talked, I talked with, sometimes it's a... Um, you know, a, a specific kind of thing like go to this people and do this. And sometimes it's, it's he doesn't give the directions right away. And like he says, you know, go to, to Abraham, go, go leave your family and go to the land I will show you, you know. And so the way it unfolds is different for every woman and for every man. I mean, a lot of those parts of the book can be applied to men and to women. But um, so there's a stewardship piece of that. Um, there's a piece that it happens in community Um, As the body of Christ, not just the local church, but just the greater church and body of Christ and people of of God Um, and uh, community stewardship and um, accountability. And so, you know, and whatever God has given us, whether it's, you know, a calling to specific people or place or or time um, or it's even general things, responsibilities like our family or our job, those types of things, we are stewards um, and accountable to God and to our community for those things that He's given to us.
0: Do you think the issue of call or the the reality of calling has been um, too individualized? I'm, I'm picking up on that. Maybe that's a rhetorical question. Uh, but when you mention community, the community piece, uh, it strikes me from particularly the New Testament that it is the community that often mm-hmm. kind of recognizes gifting, recognizes a person's calling, and and validates that and pulls them forward without which um we're kind of left to our own devices to sort through the the subjectivities and all the different variables in a calling can you speak to that at all
1: yeah i i would agree absolutely that i think um at least in you know american evangelicalism we've we've privatized and individualized our faith you know our 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 spiritual journey and part of that being our calling and so we Kind of want to have this dialogue with God, tell me what to do. But um, really, in Scripture, and again, you know, in the stories of the women that I talk to in my own life, people affirm that they call that out. They even suggest, "Have you ever thought about, you know, doing this?" myself as a as a professor in the classroom, there have been times where I've just asked a question of a student, and I can tell that it's it's been like it's it's this moment where God has been speaking to them, and and I've called the question without even knowing it, you know, kind of thing. I love that the um, Quakers actually have what they call a clearness committee. And so they have, um, you know, somebody who's seeking an answer to a question or about a calling type thing. And they just sit and listen together and say, you know, ask questions. And they don't just say, here's what you should do. You know, we either individualize it or we um, you know, we just go for advice instead of all listening to God together. And so there's a posture, the most, one of the most important things for, um, being ready for God's call. You know, I, a lot of people, how do I know? It's like, it's creating a a posture of listening and hearing, learning to discern the Holy Spirit's voice so you even know it when it comes and it it can come through other people and, and it lives, it's lived out in community. Um, our God-given calling is always lived out in human systems. Yeah. Um, so yeah, community is a very big piece of it, and I, I don't think very few churches that I've been a part of really have that as a piece of their kind of corporate worship. Yeah. Really, you know, and well, corporate be life.
0: Great, great to see evangelical churches of all sorts recover that art. Absolutely. Yeah, of of yeah. listening to God together.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and really, uh, you know, and I tried to model this a bit at our church um, outside Indianapolis, and so. You know, I've been doing some writing and and teaching and speaking, and I said, I don't want to just go solo. I want to be under the, you know, the spiritual authority, at least, and the accountability of our church. And so they did kind of a commissioning where the whole church recognized and affirmed. This is, you know, we're affirming you. Like in the New Testament, they, you know, they would release the apostles. They would recognize and release. And we we just don't do a lot of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd love to help create that more, I think. Yeah.
0: Before I get off of this again, uh, the book forthcoming from Nav Press, I think in mm-hmm. March. Yes, that March third. Yeah, I am a leader by Angie Ward. Uh, so look for that at Nav Press coming up this uh, this spring. Um, as you interviewed these leaders around the country in various settings. What what were some of the big learnings that you took away from that? Any surprises, any kind of aha moments for you, even though you were the one writing the book? You know, you interview people. I right. can say this firsthand, and you right. always learn a lot. Right. So what, what were some of your big learning moments from these interviews you did?
1: Yeah, so um, some of the kind of the data more, I mean, it, I, it was interesting to me. I, I spoke to, you know, various uh, like women of color and, one of the surprising things was that the majority of women of color said that their gender was a bigger barrier to living out their calling than their ethnicity. Really? Yeah, that was interesting. Now, I don't know that I can't make a blanket generalization, but of the people I talked to, that's what I heard. That's interesting. And that was surprising to me, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, But, you know, each of these interviews, calling is so powerful and so personal, and so I just felt like I was— um, and holy ground in these conversations, and I was so grateful they kind of entrusted their story to me to carry yeah, and to yeah. share in the book. And um, talking to women who are a little bit older, I would say 50s and 60s, sometimes there was a, a bit of re- resentment or remorse of, I wish I had had these opportunities. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't to be in either, you know, that that generation or that culture that I grew up in or, or whatever and so that was kind of the lament for that demographic and then when I talk to younger women they're getting more of the message now that you can be anything you want or yeah. you know at least culturally in and, and and more and more churches saying yeah this is open to you but then they they so they grow up believing yeah I think I can um, and I have opportunity but then coming up to their own limitations and realizing, It's tough to do um, parenting and marriage and ministry and just regular life stuff. And I talk a little bit in the book about, uh, I, I came to Denver Seminary because I felt called to occupational ministry, vocational ministry, and then called to Denver Seminary. God closed all the other doors that I was exploring. And then when I um, got married and had kids, those became certainly my priority and my responsibility. But my other calling to ministry never went away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I wrestled with that tension, you know, for many years, feeling like, I, you know, I want to be you know i 'm committed to my kids and to my husband and and uh, to supporting him and he is to me but I'd, i i don 't have enough time in the day to do everything well yeah um and even and so it wasn 't even outside barriers. it was just i can 't do it all and so the younger women I talked to it, they were feeling a sadness and a for the first time kind of saying, I, well, how do I do this you know mm-hmm. even though they have all the opportunities. Um, So, but everyone I talked to, it was just, their stories are so unique, and so every person's calling is unique, and so, and the process and what that calling is is unique, and and so I, you know, I point out numerous times in the book, you you can't compare callings, you can't compare the process to any other person. God created each of us individually very unique, and he also knows how we hear him and what we're made for, and so that's going to look completely different.
0: Isn't isn't that a blast getting to work with people on the, the like the individual? Here I'm going to be very individualistic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the, the the uniqueness of every person's calling journey and what that looks like, how that unfolds. Yeah. Isn't that just a blast? Yes. Getting to get to walk alongside people. with Yeah, that?
1: and and you know, as part of my passion being leadership development, that's one of the things I I love is just going you know how are, uh, helping them be attuned to God's voice and their and there's work in their lives and and going what is, you know what's God doing in your life and how do you put all this together and you know um a point i make is um well two things God is always at work and God never wastes anything
0: yeah and, i love that
1: and so there's you know times when women and and men again this can apply to, you know any uh, ministry leader or you know people in ministry and leadership Um, where they, you know, you're in a dry spell or a a tough season and challenging and you, you know, you go, I hope I, you know, I get through this and I, you know, and later God uses it and puts it all together.
0: But you only see that often in the rearview mirror. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How it doesn't get wasted.
1: Right. Yeah. So he's always at work in your story and just never wastes anything. Love it. Yeah.
0: So what do you, you may have already answered this, but I, I want you to take a stab at it. What do you wish somebody had told you as a young leader? You've been at this for quite a while now, writing about it, speaking about it, actually training leaders, thinking about it, actually leading. D- does your um, does your book, in some ways, kind of reflect some of the things you wish somebody had told you as a young leader? Absolutely, yeah. Or what were some of those? Yeah,
1: things? Um, one of the big things I think I wish I had been told was um, this is this is who God has made created you to be. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, I think that's a message that uh, you know I received for sure. You know, there were by you know subtle comments about strong women or you know that type of thing, and and even if you know you're coming from um, a theological position that you know uh, about um, more complementarian, what we call you know and um, women's roles, there's ways that women you you know can be visible and have a voice even if they're not in certain positions and that type of thing, and and so i just i just always for a long time i, I would say um and um i think nancy orberg coined this phrase but she said help i'm a leader trapped in a woman's body
0: oh yeah i've heard that you know
1: and so i just felt like something was wrong with me because that's what a lot of the messages i was getting um and so to, to finally like come to terms with that as my identity i'm a leader you know that's why i'm different in sometimes you know that's why and I have rough ed- edges, for sure. I mean, we all do, no matter what, you know, our gifting and, and calling is. But um, I think that's one of the big messages. And, and at the start of the book, I say, you know, I want you to know that you are, um, you are unique, and yet you are not alone. There's other women who have walked this road. Mm-hmm. And that's why I loved sharing so many stories of people on various parts of the path.
0: Mm-hmm. So how, has your thinking about leadership changed or evolved over the years?
1: Uh yes, uh, I'm I'm glad it has. I hope it would. Um about leadership in general, I think, you know, most of us come with an understanding originally of leadership being a role or a positional authority. Okay. Um and so I've broadened it certainly t- to the definition I gave. It really at its core it's influence and um the question is not whether you have influence but where and then how are you using that? Um you know, I think lately the topic of power has been uh, the forefront of a lot of conversations, yeah, um, uh, you know, with women with and Me Too and that type of thing. But even not even just with you know women in particular, and and so um, you know another theme theologically is servant leadership, you know, and and we're so focused on who has the power and the authority, and and um, even the other night I was visiting a church and somebody came up to talk to me and. I confess, I I kind of made a value judgment about the person because of like where they stood or didn't stand in the room, you know, like on stage mm. or that type of thing. We mm. just do that naturally, yeah. you know. And so I'm going to confess it here publicly to you and ask for absolution later. Abs- Absolved. Yes, thank you. But but really, I mean, being aware of our own um, how we try to control and to seize power, and that's kind of the the model of leadership that the world presents and it's so easy to buy into that because um you know the kingdom is completely upside down and so um you know cruciform leadership is completely countercultural. You know, it's 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 completely upside down, it's it's taking the lower posture and and um I've been reflecting on this kind of idea of power and you know, even when we do um Mission trips, or even servant leadership. A lot of times, it's still we're the person with power, and we use it to help someone else come up. But to truly give up power, like you know Jesus in the kenosis passage, you know, that's something I don't know that we wrestle with much. Yeah, as very leaders. counterintuitive, and yeah.
0: and it strikes me that even even when a person is gifted as a leader, uh, has all those capacities for leadership, there's still this this um, uh, th- this narrative. Much of which we imbibe from our culture, right? But also just from our fallenness, mm-hmm. that it's straightforward, mechanical power yeah. force,
1: and usually climbing up,
0: yeah, instead right. of the right. way down. So you can be a leader and yet lead in all those wrong ways, all those mm-hmm. fallen ways, all those anti cruciform or mm-hmm. un cruciform ways. Mm-hmm. So simply being gifted as a leader does not necessarily qualify one as a leader right unless you learn those cruciform ways
1: yeah yeah and i you know so my you know general definition is influence on people to move toward a vision now when you put christian before those words you know what is christian leadership you know then you then you start talking about um christian you know christian values and what what type of influence is it according to christian biblical principles um you know influence on people to movement is that positive or negative and you know toward a vision so is that a god given vision or is that our own agenda for someone, um, I think I've also, you know, my understanding of leadership. I think of it as a gift, as we've talked about. It's a skill um, and it's an art. And so, you know, some people are more naturally gifted um, with leadership. It is a spiritual gift list in the Bible. It's not one of the most important ones, actually. It's toward the bottom of the list, mm. and we we who are in leadership field don't really read that don't too closely. Hear that. Yeah, yeah, we don't focus <laughs> on that. Um, so there's, there are some people who are more gifted, but there's also a skill component that can be developed and taught, which is why we have, you know, at Denver Seminary, we have leadership classes and, you know, people take workshops, you know, not just at seminary, but other places. So there's a skill piece to that, um, that can help develop those gifts or even develop, even if you're not gifted, you can develop those skills. But then the big piece is the art and that's how and, how and when to use the gift and the skill and in what strength. And just like medicine is an art, we, you know, there's some science to it for sure, but leadership is that art piece. And that's where wisdom comes in. And practice. Yeah. Practice, wisdom, maturity, life experience. And so somebody can be, you know, I see a lot of young leaders, they're incredibly gifted. And if you go on your giftedness, eventually you're going to run out of steam and you're going to, there's no foundation wisdom wise to carry you into that next season of life Mm -hmm. and leadership.
0: When I was, um, Doing a little bit of research for this, I dredged up another book you wrote. Okay. The Students, unless this was another no, Angie Ward, no, The me. Students Quick Start Guide to Successful Online Learning. That's me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about that. Uh, so I was uh, working in um, Professor and Academic Administration at another school, which we were doing a lot of online programs. And um, I just kind of wrote it. it's exactly what the title says and so it, it you know kind of talks briefly traces kind of the rise of online and non-traditional kind of learning and then saying to students who are in that environment what what's different to, to that versus the traditional in-person classroom experience and how do you succeed in that you know and so I kind of did it my doctoral program was what's called blended and so it was online and on, in person yeah you know and so um and then took that as my experience as a as a teacher and as a, you know an administrator and said how can we help students succeed and so that's where I did that book
0: well that's uh, something that a lot of because we have an, an increasing number of online students at our yeah. global Absolutely. campus so that's uh Something they want, yeah. maybe want to know about the student's quick start guide to successful online learning. Yeah. Is that still available? It
1: is. It's on Amazon. Yes. Okay. So, I, so I think it's Kindle and um, print. Hey,
0: yeah. get yourself a copy.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, Angie Ward. Uh, it is now time for the, uh, the SSPQ, my stereotypically stupid podcast question. Okay. And I have to remind listeners, stereotypically stupid refers to the question, not to the podcast. I hope. Um, you have mentioned your husband, David. Mm-hmm. And he is um, well known in many circles for being an impressionist. Correct. Yes, he is. And I have, uh, I have lost my breath many times watching his impressions. Uh, but I don't know if anybody has ever done an impression of him. So my question for you is, can you do an impression of your husband?
1: i can I can't do his voice, but I know some of his mannerisms you know and i I was you, you know I was yeah. talking with you before the you know before we hit the air here about um there's certain mannerisms of his walk and that type of thing, and the, my sons have picked up on it, and so it's very fun to see them now kind of poking at him a little bit um and some of his gestures when he's preaching that type of thing people can pick up on, but I'm not as gifted as he is at all with the voice piece of things, but we yeah. both notice mannerisms, that type of thing. It's actually what first intrigued me about him when we were students at Denver Seminary. Um, just a quick anecdote. He, so I was a new student. He had been here a couple years. He was student body president. He started doing some impressions. And it, uh, during open, like, welcome weekend, after you listened to all the talking heads, and it was the only thing I took notes on because, all weekend because I was like, this guy is sharp.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does he react when somebody uh, does an impression of him?
1: Most people really haven't dared i guess either don't, <laughs> don't you know, the you know nerve. right right yeah um he i mean he doesn't he has a few distinct things and more kind of in his walk and that type of thing but yeah. um from up front because he can be a chameleon you know he can do so many different people it's hard to nail down which one is the real david ward
0: <laughs> do you really even know who you're married to
1: i've asked him that sometimes have you? yeah yeah exactly
0: what's your favorite that he does
1: oh wow he does so many um He does a really good Johnny Carson, and I've always loved Johnny Carson. I mean, he does David Letterman. He's done all sorts of. I mean, we counted. I've never seen those. He's done. I mean, we counted a while ago, and he's certainly added. I mean, he has over 100. Okay. So it's really hard to pick. I mean, it's usually kind of what we're laughing at at the moment, you know, that comes out. We laugh a lot in our house.
0: What a a repertoire. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. That's great. Angie, thanks. Uh, Angie Ward, Dr. Angie Ward, you can uh, get a little more information uh, on Angie from her website, uh, angieward.net. And remember, the book forthcoming from NAV Press is I Am a Leader. And that should be out uh, this March, I believe. Right. So we want to thank you for listening again. And I want to give a special word of thanks to our, uh, our ever ready and qualified production team. Dusty DeSanto and Krista Ebert on the boards right now doing all the editing for, uh, for this podcast. Uh, Rob Foley and Aaron Johnson and Michael Roberts and Maritza Smith. Sean Truman and Andrea and we, uh, we really appreciate the fun work all these folks do. Uh, for them and for everybody at Denver Seminary, I'm Don Payne, and we hope to talk to you again next week. Take care.